welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Welcome back to Cannabis Grand Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Altman. As you hopefully know by now, this is a podcast that with its objective to educate healthcare providers and that education provided by allopathic doctors uh, with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. In our past podcasts, we have tried to set a foundation regarding the science and therapeutics uh, for the use of medical cannabis. We thought it was a good time at this point to become a little more practical and to talk to, to a physician with boots on the ground, deeply involved in certification and uh, counseling of medical cannabis uh, in Florida. My co-host, uh, Dr. Les Matthews, is here with me, and we are very happy to welcome Dr. Thomas Trinchetto. Dr. Trinchetto is in Sarasota, Florida, as we speak, and we're going to invite him to uh, share a little bit of his background and uh, medical experience. Welcome, Dr. Trinchetto. Thank you. It's, uh, I appreciate being asked to join this. So in terms of background, I... I Start, I went to college at uh, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, attended there, and then upon graduating, attended medical school at State University of New York, uh, Downstate Medical Center. Uh, then went back to Baltimore to do a uh, residency in internal medicine at what was then called Baltimore City Hospital, now called the Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center. Upon completing that, I uh, got board certified in both emergency medicine and internal medicine and spent most of my clinical career in emergency medicine, probably about 34 years doing full-time ER work, both in Baltimore and then down in Florida. In the midst of that, I also did about four years of full-time inpatient critical care work. I graduated from clinical to administrative at the beginning of 2014 when I left the ER and became a chief medical officer at the local hospital here. At the end of 2019, I retired from my full-time position there. At that point, the plan was for me to work part-time at the beginning of 2020, and I had developed an interest in medical cannabis around that time, and that's what I was going to pursue. Uh, but then COVID intervened and kind of delayed plans until a year ago when I started working part-time in the medical cannabis industry down here. So, Tom, for the listeners who don't know you quite as well as Les and I do, I think uh, we could aptly describe you as being uh, a healthy, thoughtful, cynic, critic uh, in terms of your approach of most things, particularly uh, when it comes to medicine. And I say that with full admiration. You're not somebody who is uh, quickly won over by a uh, fad or certainly by uh, non-science medicine. So how exactly did you get interested in medical cannabis? Well, there, there were actually a, a, a confluence of uh, influences that kind of led me into this. You know, one was 
just in general, the plan that I had upon retiring from uh, you know full-time work that, that I wanted to continue working part-time doing something. And during the uh, my time, especially as the chief medical officer, one of the, the burgeoning movements, for lack of a better term, in the hospital was um, coincident, you know, concurrent with the national trend to try and get away from narcotic analgesia. So there was a, the, the growth of uh, multimodal pain management um, and to try and avoid using narcotics, you know, which was when those of us who've been practicing in the ER. Uh, that was about a 180-degree shift over the prior 10 years. You know, we went from uh, pain management scores and you know, have to control the patient's pain or you get dinged because they, they, they would ding you when they took surveys to doing everything we can to avoid narcotic use and, and uh, developing dependence on narcotics. Uh, so in that setting... I would wonder very often as we had these discussions with docs trying to get them to pursue other means of pain management. Uh, at that same time, there were docs I knew who were retiring and going into working part-time doing, or some of them even full-time actually, but uh, working part-time in the medical cannabis industry, which had started here uh, about when I went our sixth year and uh, using it with good results for pain management. So it seemed like, why, you know, we're getting reports of good results for pain control in, in these patients. We're looking for alternatives to narcotics. Why aren't we pursuing this further? Um, that this should be an adjunct uh, in how we're dealing with this. Now, again, I'm specifically talking pain management, not all the other things that uh, cannabis is useful for treating. But that's what kind of got me interested in it. And especially then started seeing where a number of the pain management docs were referring their patients to uh, medical cannabis practices. So basically that confluence of things, I thought this seems interesting. This could be something that I'll be interested in pursuing once I retired. Once you made the decision to become certified and become a cannabis physician in Florida, can you walk our audience through the process and the steps it took to uh, be able to do so? Um, okay, it actually is uh, quite simple a process, and uh, I'll provide a little detail. So, the to, to become under the current legislation, which went into effect at the beginning of 2017, to become certified used to require like an eight-hour course. It's now just a two-hour course, which they changed it to that. I think believe in 2020, and it's provided by the Florida Medical Association. You have to take this two-hour course. You could take it online. Um, and then you have to take a test. The, and it's, it's mainly about the, uh, the law and the application of the law, not about medical cannabis per se. So you don't really learn much about the use of medical cannabis, just how you can legally uh, perform the certifications, what the requirements are, what the qualifying conditions are, the documentation needed, et cetera. And once you pass that course, that's it. You can start um, working in the uh, fields doing medical cannabis certifications. But again, it doesn't teach you anything about medical cannabis. That you're kind of left on your own. Um, and not that there aren't a lot of resources to go to, but that you pursue on your own. So you technically, you could start and not you know, know hardly anything about it. And to be perfectly honest, when I started, I, one of the, uh, the revelations was how little I knew about the actual um, 
uh, process now the products that that were now available, uh, et cetera. It was a it was as much an eye opener to me initially as it is to a lot of the patients. So, Tom, to be clear, um, the program in Florida, uh, which is, I believe, similar to most of the other states that have medical cannabis, the physician's role in this is really fairly minimal. Um, it is a certification process uh, based upon a list of potentially um, acceptable diagnoses from from the state. And you uh, look at the patient's medical record, confirm that uh, that the patient has one of those uh, qualifying conditions, and then you certify that patient, and the patient goes elsewhere for advice regarding dosing, the type of administration, uh, that is uh, inhalation versus oral versus topical, that sort of thing, so that the, the physician's role is fairly limited in the process. Is, is that correct? It is fairly limited. So for backing up, it's the, if you're doing a, have a practice to perform these certifying evaluations, you cannot have a financial interest in dispensary. So there are, those are two separate components of the process here. So a lot of the education about specific products is done at the dispensaries with their educators. Um, now, uh, one of the practices that I work at part-time is one of the first ones to, that was uh, started here um, when the law was passed. And it's a five-day-a-week uh, practice, and it has their own educators, multiple, three or four of them there at any given time. So after I see a patient and perform my part of the evaluation, then I turn them over to the educator, and I tell them you will also have educators at whatever dispensary you choose to to use, but we have ours here who are you know, very good, very, you know, very knowledgeable, um, and they're going to spend a while with you teaching you about the different products. Because uh, a lot of the patients, they really have no idea the extent of products that they have to choose from. Uh, I explained to them, I'll usually ask them, have you ever been to a dispensary? And they'll say no. And I said, well, you're in for a surprise. It's basically like walking down an aisle in Publix. I mean, there are lots of different products, lots of different routes of administration, uh, different effects targeting different receptors in the endocannabinoid system, uh, different uh, onset till action, duration of action, et cetera. And that means you have to become an educated consumer. That education comes from, you know, obviously the educators. Uh, and you can educate yourselves as well online. But uh, that implies that there's some w- more work in this than you probably thought. It's good to have choices, I explained to them, and the best way to optimize the choices is to learn about the products. So following the certification, Tom, do you routinely see patients back to monitor their progress, or is is that left up to the, the bud tender, if you will? Uh, yes. The way the, the law is written here is that you have to come, and it's a... It's a uh, there's two separate components, so to speak. You get Once you are certified, you get your card that says you are certified, and that's renewed once a year, the actual card. Separate from that are the recertification visits, and those are required every 210 days. Um, so every 210 days, the patient comes back to the clinic for a recertification evaluation. And that is essentially... Uh, as I explained to the patients, it's the equivalent. Of, we are essentially 
you know, prescribing a controlled substance. And we can't just do that by, you know, calling in refills. We, it's expected, appropriately so, that we see the patients. Are you getting the, you know, find out are you getting the results that you want? Are you getting good results? Are you having any side effects, problems, questions, et cetera? Um, and also we uh, make available to them that if you have a problem between now and your certific- recertification in seven months, a uh, question that cannot be answered to your satisfaction by the educator at whatever dispensary you're using, you call us and we'll have one of our educators speak with you. If necessary, you come in for a free teaching session with the educator. So yeah, they are monitored throughout. Some of them call frequently to ask questions and so- some, you know, don't feel the need. They're, they're not having any issues, but the, that is, you know, that's always there. And then they definitely come back for us to see them. Tom, are most of your visits virtual or are you seeing patients in person now? Right now, all the visits are in person. At the beginning of COVID, uh, we went to a six-month period where Florida allowed us to do it virtually. And, um, and I, I was able to, when I started, I was able to do that for a few weeks. Um, and then they stopped it because people you know, were starting to uh, go out and go to clinics again, doctor's offices, et cetera. But the, uh, the six-month uh, experience being done virtually worked out very well. Uh, people really liked it. It's very appropriate for uncomplicated recertifications because the vast majority of patients, when they come to be recertified, uh, they don't have it. The vast majority are pleased with their results. They've already worked out the regimen that works best for them. If they don't, they're not because it's patient-directed care. They don't have to come back to me, say, to write a new prescription. They've already been uh, on their initial certification and recertification business. We put down that you can try whatever the law allows of these different modalities. You work out what works best for you. There are usually no side effects to address because if they've had a side effect, they just switch to another product. Uh, so the, the recertification visits are, are, are pretty simple, actually. And, and what, are you, what are you seeing in terms of age group? That was one of the, you know, there were a number of things that were very surprising t- to me uh, when I started doing this. Um, as I said, I, I really had no idea of the extent of the different products and their uses. So that was something I had to become more educated about. But in terms of the, one of the, probably the biggest surprise was the age group. I expected I was going to see a lot of younger people, um, some with legitimate medical problems, some looking for a medical way to gain access uh, you know, legal medical way to gain access to uh, marijuana products. As it turned out, the majority are middle-aged and older patients with chronic medical problems uh, who, for a variety of reasons, traditional medication is just not uh, a good fit for them. Um, a lot of them also have uh, you know, pain issues as part of their chronic problems, which happens you know, obviously as we get older for a lot of us. And uh, so they've been dealing with these over the past years in an atmosphere where they're scared to death to take a narcotic because of the, uh, you know, what we've seen in the media, again, not inappropriately. So to try and avoid that, but they'll come in and say, I, I'm having this problem. And I, my doctor wants to give me oxycodone. I don't want to take that stuff. They're afraid to take it. So anyway, uh, a, a lot of middle aged and elderly patients with chronic problems who either don't want to use the, the uh, pharmacologic products that are currently out there or have tried them and found them ineffective or leaving them with side effects that they're not happy you know, with. So they, um, 
you know, they deal with the psychological stigma at their age of using marijuana, but they're, it's really sad that these people are desperate. I mean, they're miserable. Um, and it's sad when you, when you have, again, in our age group, when you have somebody who's, you know, I can't play with my grandchildren, I can't do, you, you feel terrible for them. In fact, you know, there's some, they want something to help them. Well, Dr. Chinchetto, uh, Les and I want to thank you very much for joining us this morning uh, with a, a very informative uh, overview discussion of the certification process for medical cannabis. We would love to invite you back for a, a second uh, podcast where we get into more of the clinical aspects uh, of what you're doing and uh, maybe share with our audience some insights regarding that. Sure, I'd be happy to. Excellent. And until the next time, this is Dr. Hal Altman from Cannabis Grand Rounds. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.